hear in this song in Spanish, we have asked the Holy Spirit to come and to move within us, to be with us as we begin our time of prayer here with the Lord. This morning, if you have noticed, there is a different statue here in the monument of our scourge, Jesus. But we have something also very special, which is to the left of the monument, there is a little reliquary. And there are, we have the relic of the true cross of our Lord. And this was um, given to us to borrow by our former pastor at Assumption, Father Fred Park, who, with all the documents, he received this from the Vatican and had for many years before he passed away. And he said to me last year, he said, I, I had asked him for Holy Week, and he said, oh no, dear, you can have that when I die. And uh, he passed away already in uh, last October, so... Here is the relic of the true cross where Jesus died for us. But more importantly, we have before us Jesus in the tabernacle, in the Eucharist. He is here with us. He is present. He who suffered, who died, who was crucified. And he accompanies us and prays for us during this time of meditation. As Sister Marina told you this morning, today is the second year anniversary of the death of our first servant brother priest of the home of the mother, Father Henry, whom many of you have known personally since he was here with us for many, many years um, in our Holy Week encounters. And this was a very special, special day for him. I just wanted to remind you of that, that during this time also the servant brother priests are confessing outside. And Father Henry, I feel his presence. Well, I say feel. Okay, here we go. Here. Okay, I know. His presence is here with us. Um, and he would have laughed at this. Um, you know, shortly before he passed away, I think it was the year, no, it was the year before his last Holy Week encounter with us, he said that he would... He would ask on his birthday, which was December 24th, he asked the Lord if he could, if he could die on Good Friday. I didn't think that was very funny. Um, that could happen here at the encounter. But anyway, that was a desire of his heart because he wanted to identify himself so much with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. But um, the year before that, he asked, we were, we were preparing for the Holy Week encounter, and I was uh, with another sister, 
and Dolores as we were walking around the campus. And uh, Father Henry said, Sister Grace, have you ever heard of the, have you ever heard of Benigno Aquino uh, and his assassination in the Philippines? And I said, that's funny that you asked me that, Father, because um, I, I, I was there, actually, when it happened. I was a little girl, and I've had some profound experiences as a, as a little girl, but this one I, I do remember vividly. My family, my parents are from the Philippines, and uh, it was my first time taking a trip with my sisters. We went to the Philippines um, in August of 1983. And I'll share this with you because I said, okay, Father, he said he was gonna use this for a meditation on the passion of our Lord. I never heard it, but he told me what he wanted to say, so I thought, well, he wants me to share this with you today. Um, so I, being a little girl at that time in the Philippines, uh, I just remember one day my parents uh, left. We were at my mother's home where her family was still uh, living in Quezon province, and I just remember tears, uh, the television on, and, um, and my grandfather, who was a retired general of the army, um, just with sadness and, and um, the whole, just, just people think that, uh, that kids don't get it, right? Because they're too little, they don't understand. But I, I saw that something was, was happening and I saw in their sadness and crying uh, that something had happened even though they were trying not to uh, talk about it in front of the kids in our native language. What had happened during that time, uh, Benigno Aquino Jr., who was elected to the, Filipino, uh, to the Philippines uh, Senate in 1967, he was bravely and courageously speaking out against the authoritarian rule of President Ferdinand Marcos for all of those who are familiar, uh, his wife, who was known, Imelda Marcos, for her over 2,000 shoes that she used to never wear. Um, anyway, thought that it, it, it might uh, ring a bell. But anyway, Ferdinand Marcos was a dictator at that time in the Philippines, and um, he began the like a, a communist political regime. But Benigno Aquino, who loved uh, God, he was a found Catholic, and he loved his country. He wanted to fight against the injustice of all that was going on. And he even, as soon as uh, Marcos, he, in 1972, he declared martial law and he had uh, Aquino and, and, and the rest of his followers arrested and imprisoned. And there, Aquino went on a hunger strike for 40 days to protest of all of these injustices. And he was sentenced to death. However, um, Ferdinand Marcos didn't go through with the death sentence because he knew that he had many supporters and they would consider him a martyr. It was later that he like started a political party in the prison 
that was called Lakas ng Bayan, and it was abbreviated Laban, because that meant fight. He wanted to fight um, this evil that was going on in the Philippines. Anyway, he was exiled. Uh, to make a long story short, he was exiled to uh, the United States, where he, in 1980, uh, because he had had a heart attack twice, and no doctors uh, wanted to perform that bypass surgery. So um, to, to end all the, all the things that he was um, starting up in the Philippines around the people against Marcos, uh, the First Lady Imelda Marcos, she arranged for the family to go to the United States where he could have the surgery. Anyway, that didn't stop him. He continued to pray and to be in contact uh, with, his, with his fellow men in the Philippines to, to continue to, to fight. And his heart was restless, so he went back in 1983, even though uh, he was not allowed back. They would not issue him a passport. You know, people helped him. And, you know, going through different um, Asian cities, he was able to come back finally and landed in Manila on August 21st, 1983. Well, this is the part that Father Henry, um, that was just to give you the background, but the Father Henry wanted to share because prior to his departure um, from where he was, and before his arrival to Manila, he gave an interview at the hotel where he was staying, and he, he told the journalists that would be accompanying him on the flight, he said to them, you have to be ready with your hand camera because this action can become very fast. In a matter of three or four minutes, it could be all over, and I may not be able to talk to you again after this. And so this was uh, reported as his, as his last interview, and he was ready to go back to the Philippines in order to fight, but knowing that his life was in danger and he had been threatened many times that on his return, he could possibly be killed. And so when he arrived at the gate, there were soldiers that boarded the, the airplane to arrest Aquino and they escorted him off the airplane and, in, and onto a jet bridge, but they didn't follow that bridge. They took him another way, and all of a sudden, one of the people, one of the personnel working there was heard shouting, Pusila, Pusila, like about three or four times in the, in the Visayan dialect, that word means shoot, I think also in Spanish. And before you knew it, there was a gunfire, and his body, and there lay dead, along with the gunman. And there were a couple of shots, but immediately the soldiers came, they took him away, and he was... Uh, brought to the place where they did an autopsy. And this is the, the interesting part, because his mom, Doña Aurora, she told the funeral home not to apply any makeup on his body. 
They had embalmed him, but she said, I do not want anything to cover up his body, to put any makeup, so that the public may see what they did to my son. What they did to my son. And so his wife, his children, who flew in from, from the United States to the Philippines, agreed as well. And that time that I was at the house of my grandparents, when my, my parents had come back, they were all in conversation, and there were many tears, and the news was on. All I know that my mom had said somebody died, that was very important, that we needed to pray for. And they were passing around pictures, this was the day after. And I remember that I came close to the conversation of the adults, and I intercepted one of the pictures, and I gasped in fright, because they had taken a picture of Aquino's corpse, and I had never seen such a bloody face with so much blood all over his body. I guess I was thinking in my, my little mind then, like, how, how terrible is that? Like, it, my, I, I just remember my mom grabbed the picture and I said, why did they do that? And she said, we have to pray. We have to pray for his soul. I think he even said he was a holy man who loved the Lord, but she kept saying, poor Jesus, poor Jesus. He suffered more than that. And then we gathered around to pray the rosary. But my mom said we had to pray for his wife, for his family, that were grieving. I didn't know much after that, I just know we had to pray for him. But after Father Henry told me this story, I uh, wanted to look this up myself, and I found this out. And I, with, a, with my friends that were in the Philippines, uh, who lived during that time, they said he was a, a man who was very noble, and he loved his Catholic faith, he loved Jesus Christ. But out of this, I would like to now bring our meditation to what Doña Aurora, his mother, said, so that the public may see what they did to my son. It was at the plea of the mother who asked that he not be covered up as a reminder to all that her son gave his life, that he wanted to fight for the freedom of the Filipinos and the injustices that were being done. Today on Good Friday, we, many of us here, have lived Good Friday through the years <clears throat> with different experiences from within the heart. And we ask the, the Lord 
through the intercession of our Blessed Mother to help us today to contemplate his passion, as Father said last night, and his, his passion, death, and crucifixion through the eyes and the heart of our mother. Because she, in the midst of the passion, was the only one who had sincere, true, and holy compassion for her son, born of her virginal womb, who she brought into this world. The Son of God, who came to die for us out of love for our redemption. We have to be grateful to ask the Blessed Mother to, to give us even the desire today to console her son, to love him, who gave the last drop of blood, he gave everything for us. And so, we can contemplate many things today in the passion as we as we read the scriptures but we can I will help you with some of the meditation so that you can have that as you're in your time of prayer and I'm going to use some of the meditation of a bishop Bishop Rodrigo Villar, who wrote a book called the Meditaciones de la Santísima Virgen, of the, the Meditations of the Blessed Mother. And during the Passion, we can focus on the different parts of the Passion with our baby. At the scourging, we see that our Blessed Mother, we can use also our, our imagination to help us to pray, to see how she leaves in search for her son. And so we see her immaculate heart is not satisfied with just being afar, she wants to follow him wherever he goes. You can imagine that she was at the house of Pilate, or when he was sent back from Pilate's house to Herod's palace, how he was rejected in favor of Barabbas. And she could hardly recognize her beloved son because as scripture tells us his face was disfigured he looked like a worm his face was swollen from the blows that were given to him by the servants of Annas and by the blows that held him all night
If it helps you, you can also use those who have seen the passion of Jesus Christ as well, those images. But I want you to just pause and to consider the feelings of our Blessed Mother in her heart. To become aware of the terrible punishment of the scourging that Jesus was, was submitted to. See how his spirit looks upon his executioners as they make preparations to carry out his crucifixion. If you were there with Our Lady, see how her heart reacts to the shouts of jeers and joy of the soldiers encouraging each other to, to buffet our Lord, to hit him from all sides. And you can look into the eyes of Our Lady and look at her face. Any mother here or father is pained when they see their children undergoing any kind of suffering. And you would like to take that pain away or would rather suffer that instead of seeing your children go through so much pain. Then watch as the torturers have tied up Jesus to the pillar and they start to inflict all this inhuman punishment upon him, one after the other, with continual scourges all over his body as he suffers terrible convulsions under the strain of the pain. He presses his lips together tightly so that he does not burst into cries of anguish. The prophet Isaiah says, from the sole of the foot onto the top of the head, there is no soundness in him. The whole body of the Savior becomes a continuous, awful wound, laying bare the very bones along his back. Now, Remaining beside the Blessed Mother, ask yourself, why and for whom is Jesus receiving this inhuman torture, only less severe than a death sentence? You can recall the countless sins of impurity committed throughout the world, and you will know who really deserve that punishment. See how Jesus is crowned with thorns. The soldiers already heard Pilate say, I have found no guilt in this man. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. So they become more savage, taking it for granted that Pilate's intention is to please the Jews, making some concession to them. And they put on the Lord's head a crown of thorns and a purple robe on him to mock him 
as if, as if he were a king. And they, they laugh and scoff at him and they parade before him, just laughing at him. Hail, King of the Jews, as they bend their knee before him. Continue to gaze upon the Blessed Virgin Mary as she sees this ridicule of her divine son. You can ponder over the grief, the profound, the profound grief that she, that she has in her heart, the helplessness she feels before all of this mockery. Then look at Jesus carrying his cross after he's condemned to die. He keeps growing weaker and weaker and weaker under the weight of the cross because he is laden with all the sins of all men. And this makes his climb up to Calvary even more difficult. However, no one, no one has pity on him. Imagine the gaze of our Lord Jesus looking upon, around him, searching for any soul that would help him carry his cross. And as you glance at the Blessed Mother, She's the only one there who knows the power of the cross and follows Jesus as closely as possible. She is the only one who is pure and unstained, who has not contributed to, to the increase of the burden of the cross by any personal sin. Imitate her and pray to her to teach you how to comfort Jesus and to alleviate, alleviate his sufferings. You can imagine now as he goes up towards Mount Calvary, there are the high priests, the Pharisees, the soldiers, the executioners, They are carrying their own cross, the cross of their sins. There's others who carry their cross as well, the two thieves. But they do not carry it out of love for Christ, but in, with rage and despair, because they're forced to do so. Oh Lord Jesus, how do we carry our crosses that you have given us to purify us for our salvation? Ask the Lord today on this Good Friday with sincerity for a deeper knowledge and a deeper love of his passion.
Jesus said to the apostles, and he says to us, He who wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does denying oneself mean? It is refusing to be the center of one's own attention, to be centered on Christ, to whom all our thoughts, our cares, and all our entire day should be offered up to, to our Lord God through Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to have an ardent love to do your will. You can walk with our Blessed Mother, who is accompanied by those pious women. It is her, Our Lady, who knows how to carry her cross with Christ, because she directly shares his pain and sorrows. My dear brothers and sisters, look at the sufferings of these two hearts that are so intimately bound together, so united. There is an intense love between this mother and son. And what is the motive? It is our sins. And that is the source of immense affliction for both of them. Now you choose. You have to carry some cross in your life, and you must also accompany Christ on his way to Calvary. You're free to choose the way you want to carry your cross. Here in the Passion, which group do you prefer to, to be with? Let us ask our Blessed Mother to, to help us to, to enter into her, into her group, the way she accompanies our Lord, the way she helps to bear his suffering. Go ahead next to her, just stay with her during this meditation and throughout the day. Carry it. Don't carry it by yourself. Carry it with the Blessed Mother. She makes all our crosses lighter. Our pains are made sweet. And so... We'll move forward to the crucifixion, where there's continuous mocking of Jesus on the cross. His sacred head is covered with the crown of thorns. The blood is all over his face. He's burning with a fever. His heart beats violently. His hands and his feet are pierced with rough nails. And he is hanging on the cross. Yet, the Lord does not revile against the will of the Father. He continually is offering himself, thinking of each one of us, praying for us, forgiving, 
Today on Good Friday, let the Lord and our Blessed Mother go deep into your hearts. Are there anyone, any people, any persons out there that you still may be holding a grudge of unforgiveness? Ask the Lord through the power of his blood to help you to forgive those who have done wrong to you or to forgive yourself for the wrong you have done to others. Stay with our Lord and do not abandon him. Do not abandon our, our Blessed Mother, especially in these moments today in the world where we continue to have many who mock our Lord, who revile against His will, who choose to sin. And the Lord says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And lastly, just think of the words, these, this last, the last thing that our Lord could give after he gave himself to us, to be with us in the Eucharist in the Last Supper, after he has gone hours of torment physically and, and his heart so heavy by the weight of our sins. He continues to love us, even to the end. And he said, Woman, behold thy son. And to St. John, he says, Son, behold thy mother. This is the last gift of Jesus, reserved for the end. This is Mary, our mother. He wishes to give her to us. And by making his own mother our mother, Jesus acquires another right to his title as the elder brother of humanity. All through his death, his agony, Mary, our mother, remains standing close to the foot of the cross. <laughs> Let us penetrate the depths of Mary's pain. Her life was full of suffering from the very first moment that she brought Jesus into this world until the end. Her fiat, her yes, she was faithful. Oh, Blessed Mother, help us, help all of us to be faithful to what God is asking each one of us to do, to not be afraid, to take that step. Because God has given us everything, and he only wishes our happiness and our salvation. So we're going to have time now for prayer. And as we contemplate the greatest manifestation of love, which is the cross, Jesus on the cross for us, 
Let us ask the Lord for the strength. To desire to give our life for him out of love. Not with just words, but with our life. Not to keep anything back. Not to put any conditions on what the Lord asks of us, but to be generous. To help us in those daily, ordinary things that the Lord asks for us. There are so many crosses that we can have. Many of you here, all of you here, have something that you are suffering, whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional. And a holy soul once asked that after she had one calamity after the other, that if it befell her, she would ask the Lord, and she asked him in prayer, but Lord, what have I done to you? And in the depths of her heart, she, came, she heard this reply, You have loved me. And she thought of Calvary and understood a little better how our Lord wanted to purify her and draw her close to the salvation of many who were lost, far from God. And this, um, St. Jose Maria Escriba said, filled that holy soul with much peace and joy. So when sorrows are born with love, we are able to, to carry them with our Lord and to have joy. I ask the Lord to grant each one of you and all of us here today a special grace of true conversion. Many of you are here today because you have heard of Sister Claire, Sister Claire Crockett's story, which I was a witness to 22 years ago on Good Friday. Just ask the Lord to open your heart just a little bit so that he can come in and our Blessed Mother as well. And you may receive whatever grace today on Good Friday that they wish to give you. Open yourself entirely and abandon yourself and all your fears or your worries to the Lord and to our Lady. And they will take care of everything. It was from that moment that Sister Claire realized that the whole motivation of her life was due to the fact that Jesus, she said, he loved me and he died for me. I will never forget that. He loved me and he died for me with tears flowing down her cheeks and she received that grace on Good Friday. So we ask our Blessed Mother, oh Blessed Mother, help us in these moments of prayer and throughout the day to remain in a very prayerful and silent atmosphere today. Not giving ourselves to idle chatter or worldly things, but to stay close to the Lord, our Savior, and His passion. Amen. Amen.